0: Maxwell and Melbourne Football Club, you're listening to The Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cotchen from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Pendlebury from the Collingwood Football Club, you're listening
1: to The Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to The Coaches Panel. Hey friends, you got MJ from The Coaches Panel. Welcome back to another of the 50 most relevant, where we count down who I believe are the most relevant players across Supercoach, Dream Team and AFL Fantasy for the 2022 season. We're talking about Aaron Hall today at number 43. You might be like, MJ, he was so good last year. Why is he so low? Well, I think there's some question marks and some conversations we need to have around him. But there's a world where he could still be a phenomenal player for us in 2022. Joining me on this episode, I've got Louis back again. Hello, mate. How you doing?
0: Good, thanks, MJ. How about yourself?
1: I'm good. I'm good. Look, Aaron Hall is a phenomenally interesting player to discuss because there's, I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but there's this world around Aaron that, and people that went without owning him last year probably know this all too well. If you don't have him, it hurts every single week. But also, Louis, I suppose, and I think you might own him in a couple of formats, maybe even picked him up on draft day. So well done to you for pulling that out of the hat. But there's also this world as when you do own Aaron Hall, every week's filled with a little bit of nerves.
0: Oh, absolutely. Because on, on one hand, and we saw it pretty much for the majority of last season, is that his, uh, his ceiling was just so consistently high that at one point we were almost banking on him to go 120 plus, 120 plus, and plenty of coaches, including myself, put some VCs on him, some Cs yeah. on him. But then you go to the flip side and we saw that at the very start of 2021 where he does have this propensity to just get injured.
1: I think Hall's a a fascinating player. You're right, Louis, to discuss because we did dodge that injury bullet for the most part last year and as we look through what he did deliver for us in 2021 31 years of age he has moved from that forward eligibility back into defensive status although in afl fantasy last year and ultimate footy he did pick up dpp throughout the year and be a defender forward last year top score of afl fantasy and dream team was a 143 against the demons and a 141 against the giants neither though are career high scores it was a 156 against the Carl, not against Carlton, against Geelong pick a team MJ back in 2017 in AFL fantasy and 150 against the Lions for super coach back in 2015 monster averages. And we're paying for him in big cash this year, 108.9 in AFL fantasy and dream team, 105.2 in super coach. And in that format, Priced at $585,800, k in AFL Fantasy and just shy of 930000 in Dream Team. And Louis, he was the stepping stone that turned into a premium that we all dream about every single year. But I don't know a person in the world that predicted or saw that coming from Aaron Hall last year.
0: No, I don't think anybody did. And and to be fair, this was the first year that we actually saw him in this role. So he had one of the most cushiest roles, almost playing that back pocket, half back flank, uh, yep. chip two. And then he was actually, uh, you say you can get some cheap ball and he does, but what he was able to do with the football on top of that was actually seriously impressive. So he went at 75% efficiency by foot, which is pretty elite for, for an bad. NFL footballer. Uh, he was getting, you know, 30-plus touches every single week. Uh, anybody watching him would see him seagull out for 10, 11, 12 marks most weeks as well, mm. and and that reflects in his scoring. He, and what he did was he all, he also tackled. Yeah, he so did. He was actually very capable as a defender to fill up all the stat lines barring uh, anything in front of goal, obviously. So he for his price, 914K, he's at that price for a reason because he was just so
1: good last year. Yeah, he was. Look, in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, which is the format you just alluded to, he's ranked number one for averages for all defenders. And uh, he's the only defender to be average over 102. He's ranked second in that format for total points. Uh, Only 60 behind the leader in crisp. And that's including him missing two games. He was the sub in one game. And scored an 11, and he had a concussion affected score in the 30s in round five. So he's far and above based on last year. He plays one more game. He doesn't get injured in one of those games. He's the number one defender for us. Um, in AFL fantasy and dream teams, that average that you've alluded to of 109, 14 tons, 12 of them over 120. That is incredible consistency of turning your your tons into. Big, big tons. Five over 130. And just the three scores under 90 all year with two of them being those games that I've already alluded to. In Supercoach for defenders, he's ranked eighth for total points, fifth for average, and was a sub in that round two game, scoring a six, and that concussion affected game in round five. An average of 105, 16 tons, seven over 120, three over 130, and just four scores of sub 100 all year. And, you go know, look at those numbers. You're like, man, that's an outlier. Well, actually, it's not. He, he's done this before. You're right. In a, in a different role, he's never had this role. But he's shown fantasy pedigree before. 2015, the final seven games of that year, he averaged 106 in Dream Team and Fantasy and 112 in Supercoach. While in 2016, he played 17 games, an average of 105, 11 tons, three over 120, including a 151, And just the two scores under 90 all year while in Supercoach in 2016, that same year, seven tons, three of them over 120 and an average of 95. So we know he's got fantasy abilities, Louis. I I don't think anyone would say that's not the case. I think what everybody's not sure about is can he do it again in 2022?
0: Yeah, and that's the question, MJ. Uh, when he comes at such a high price tag, he's he's really a player that, and i asked you the question before, MJ, at that price tag, he's a player that you need to be confident on putting the C on in round one. Yeah. And would you be confident doing that?
1: Would I be confident in doing that? Mm. Yeah, not with the other guys that I think are, that are available and around the mark for us. So, so for those that are going, well, who is he playing in round one? I'm so glad you asked. It's almost like it's prepared. They are playing Hawthorne. So that's a good matchup. But I think that it's not the guy for a VC. Sure. I'm happy to roll the dice with that. But they're the first game on a Sunday afternoon. So if you're then rolling into a C, here are the four teams left to go. Adelaide taking on Fremantle. Is Laird, who we've already revealed in the 50 most relevant, a captain option? I'm not so sure about that. Fremantle? Does Andy Brayshaw make the 50 most relevant? Is he a captain option? I don't know. West Coast? Is there any midfielder there you feel confident putting the C on? I don't know. What about out of Gold Coast? If you're a Took Miller owner, that's what you're probably banking on.
0: Let me ask you this, MJ. For... Two blokes who have priced about 100K less in the same line. Mm. uh, Would you be more confident on putting a VC or C on, uh, say, a Jake Lloyd
1: or a Lockie Whitfield? Most weeks. Most weeks. Most weeks based based off history alone. And then I I do have a hesitation that I'm keen to bring up about um, Hall in a moment. Not so much him, about the system around him. Yes, I, I would feel more confident with those two.
0: And that's all we can do is base things off of history. So this is a guy who's played uh, 27 games between 2018 and 2020. So you have to worry about the injury history, which sure. is what we've said before. He's a guy who's scoring, um, even though he does have a good fantasy pedigree, has always been a little bit up and down, depending on role. Definitely, Like we said, uh, this season, or rather the 2021 season was a bit of an anomaly in scoring due to such a good role. Mm. Uh, does he maintain that role? Uh, you know, Based on history, which we're talking about now, I look back at 2020 and we've got Luke McDonald, who for a period of time there had a very, very similar role. And yeah. he was playing it to a T as well. He was banging up 110s, 120s most weeks. Yep. He was also a player that we didn't see between rounds one and 14. It's true. Uh, Another player in that defensive group was Aiden Core. Yeah, just we, two games. We didn't see him uh, yeah, from round two onwards. So there's still a couple of moving parts in that um, North Melbourne defensive group um, that we could see change in 2022. I mean, it's not as relevant, but Robbie Tarrant left yeah. as well. Uh, Jack Zebel, he is in great form down there. Does he, does he pick up a role there? Josh Gota, who they just drafted, uh, he was playing very well in the NAB league as a defensive yeah, sort was. of wingman. Uh, yeah. Min Perez coming back from a knee. What I'm trying to say, especially with those last few guys, is that North is still a rebuilding side. I mean, obviously, they're a rebuilding side. And yeah. David Noble in 2021, he would have been inclined to have played a bit of a keepings off game because otherwise, each and every week, North were just going to get smashed. And that's yeah. not good for morale, especially with a young group. Uh, it doesn't build the strong culture that you like. So he sort of formulated a game plan where they can actually play some competitive football. And at times they did. They they took it up to the best of them um, some weeks. I think uh, they, they got pretty close to Melbourne as well from memory. Yeah, they jagged
1: a couple of late one. wins too. You're right. I, th- I think him nailed it perfectly on the head, mate, in terms of – There's some big changes that are coming in and out of that North Melbourne structure. And importantly, what does this North Melbourne game style look like for this rebuilding side? Because Hall got so much football in part because the ball spent so much time there. And as you brilliantly articulated, the best way to stop opposition teams scoring against you is a high possession retention game. Um, and Hall was the beneficiary of that because he was the only dynamic option out of that North Melbourne back line for the better part of, of the season. So I, I think here's the thoughts off the back of that. I, I'd, I'd probably kind of say, because I think you have nailed it, um, that if people are questioning what happens with Hall and Zebo, maybe as osmosis, that might put enough doubt in people. Let me look at the positive of Hall and, um, of, that's there he's actually not priced at his max people go oh he's at max price well he's not if you remove the two games that the one he came on as sub and the other he came he was injured early with a concussion so it's not picking and choosing from x point in a year it's not it's it's just the games he didn't play in full he averaged 118 in afl fantasy and dream team and 114 in Coach. That's 10 points per game of value right there. So he's actually not at max price. That's not true. And the reason you are selecting Hall is if you believe this narrative, that his ceiling games continue. And while he's a heavy price to pay to start with, like I think he's more expensive than Josh Kelly, who we talked about just two days ago on the 50 most relevant with Ritz.
0: He's about the same price as Clayton Oliver.
1: Yeah, like he's humanity. yeah, he he's an expensive brother to to be able to own. Here's the thing. Once you own a player, their price tag doesn't matter unless you have to trade them out through injury or you choose to trade them out for one reason or another. So once you own them, their price is irrelevant. And with Hall, if you are worried about those injuries, but you still think the ceiling's there and that's the key premise. If you still think the ceiling's there, Bank the games. Bank the points. Bank the score, because if he does keep that ceiling, then his price tag is only going to continue to hold or surge. And now, all of a sudden, if the injury does ever come, well, you trade him down to anyone and you're making money. If the ceiling games come, how hard is it to chase a guy that's now going to be priced over 110, 115 points per game in average while they're also probably chasing one of Steele, McRae, Miller, probably trying to find a forward premium that they miss, probably trying to find their R2 premium to get. All of a sudden, you can't get everybody. And so now the narrative for a coach is, is if I think the ceiling's there for Hall, the best way to afford him is to start. him, Because if Hall goes well, the way he ended last year, and, and again, just... Just a sample of of the last four or five games of the year. Again, so not really picking and choosing, but just the last four or five games of the year. In Supercoach, 139, 127, 116, 128, 124. While in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, 112, 120, 126, 120, 127. If he just keeps going like that, good luck ever trying to get him. But, and it's to that big point that you made, Louis, before. If that ceiling goes, because of a game style, because of a structure of who's out of the side in Tarrant, who's coming back in more frequently, hopefully in core, Perez, and also you've mentioned a Luke McDonald. If you don't think the ceiling is there, you actually can't start him. You you just can't spend that cash. But if you think he is, yeah, bank the scores. He's because he could make or break your year one way or another, starting or passing him.
0: It's gotten to that point, MJ. I mean, a guy that just can consistently go 120 plus, put it on the board, you just start to separate yourself from other coaches. Even if another player goes 110, all of a sudden, you're, you know, across the whole season, you're plus 200 points up on another coach just because you've started with Aaron Hole and they've been unable to get him until very late in the season because of his price tag um i'm sure you'll talk about him later in the 50 but there's a couple of midfielders like a took miller or a jack yeah. Steele who may be in that boat later on as well so um i know i've know I've been a little bit negative on aaron hall i've rolled over him a couple of times but yeah that's partly because it's so easy to build such a good case for him because yes, of it in is. 2021 uh we know how good aaron hall is it's what, we, what we've got to discuss is why it could change, which I yeah, think we covered quite well. And um, those three defenders, or a couple more that I did mention, uh, there's another group that we have to talk about too, and that's mm. the midfield mix yeah. at North Melbourne. They've got about 10 different midfielders, and yes, they can all run through there, but when they're not in the midfield, they've got to go somewhere. Yep. Um, Hugh Greenwood, for example, he's another one. He's going to be stopping that ball from going back. He's going to be putting on the pressure and it's making true. the spillages so that they can play a more attacking brand of football. So um, North Melbourne and how they set up is going to be very interesting. We'll be watching them pretty carefully in the um, in the whatever sponsored series it is in <laughs> pre-season. <and>
1: <laughs> <laughs> whatever and community sure series.
0: That's it. I'm sure they'll have a few internal matches too, which I'll be uh, very interested to watch. But um, that all being said, if Aaron roll if Aaron Hall rather can keep that same role that he mm-hmm. had in 2021 then he is worth the money the 914k in fantasy at least uh, yeah he will go up from that point and he will be extremely hard to own and you're going to be laughing at the other coaches who who just didn't have the balls to to pick him to start the season
1: yeah he's he's that guy that if you own him you're going to start the year nervous because you're like, oh man, this has got to work. Also, if you go against him early, even if you've gone, oh, I think there's value in a Lloyd or a Whitfield or Mr. Consistency of Crisp or yesterday's um inclusion of the 50 most relevant Daniel Rich. If you go against him and he flies out of the gate with 125, 125, 125, you're going, how the heck am I going to get him? He he's the he is the guy that could define your season by week six. Um, and that is for the better or for the worse. He is a fascinating player. I think the relevance is there. Could he have been higher in the 50? Absolutely, he could have. But for me and Louis, West similar. There's that hesitancy of what's surrounding him. What are North Melbourne doing through the rebuild? What are these player movements coming in and out of that back line as well as through the midfielders? as you brilliantly articulated, that for me just go, I need to see more? in the preseason, from how North Melbourne are trying to move and operate before I commit that amount of money. So for me right now, he's not in any of my teams. He's an upgrade, but he could very easily find his way into my side because his upside could be better than anybody's in the back line. The
0: the irony of all this too, MJ, is is, uh, in the 2021 season, he was that same player. Yeah, made or broke your season because if you hopped on in round seven when he went 143 after we saw a small little sample size of his role going 99 and 123 rounds three and four yeah quite a few coaches jumped on and then more so the next week and then it starts to get hard because he goes up and up and up in price and quite quickly a lot of coaches found themselves going and scrambling yeah how can i get aaron hall He's he's killing me he's killing me he's killing me and that's And that's when coaches can do silly things as well. So potentially we're looking at a player that two years in a row um, really makes or breaks your season. And who would have thought it'd be Aaron Hall?
1: Who would have thought? I I honestly never thought I love Aaron as a person. Uh, He's a legitimately good human being. I never thought I would write about him in the 50 most relevant ever again. And yet he's done it and well done it and credit to him. All right, before we wrap up this episode, let's talk about him And where he goes on draft day, he'll be someone's D1. I don't think that's anyone would question that. But he'll be gone by the end of the second round. I think the better question to ask is this, Louis. If you have a later first round pick, because I don't think he's an early first round pick. If you have a late first round pick and it's a snake draft where you're getting something back on the turn, could you pick him in the first round? Or is he an exclusive second-round player only?
0: No, I think you could MJ. So if you're going 18, 19, uh, doesn't matter which pick you pick him at. Obviously, he's someone who, uh, with the defensive group, I mean, what we go Hall, Whitfield, Lloyd, um, and then the, and Crisp, and then there's probably a little bit of a gap. Yeah. If you can get on Hall, you're potentially putting 10 to 15 points on top of whoever somebody picks later on in the second, third, fourth round as their their D1 or D2. So I would be strongly considering him at the very back end of a first round um, draft, but I'd probably be more confident in taking him somewhere in the second, provided I've got another bloke there who I'm supremely confident in can go 120 each and every week.
1: Yeah, it doesn't
0: have as many question marks.
1: It's true, like, and that's going to be that thing is how do people rank those big end forwards this year the, the Tarantos and the Dunklin, the uh, Dunkley types, and the and the Duncan types that, that have come through? How do people rank Hall? What are they? How much do they value Rucks in, in 2022? And how lack of midfield heavy will the first round be? That'll be the variations that'll come through the way people choose to draft in 2022. If it goes well for you as an Aaron Hall owner this year, you will be laughing all the way to the bank. But if it goes pear shaped, you're going to feel a little bit sheepish. He's a make or break player. As you said, for two years in a row. Appreciate your work today, Louis, on this episode of the 50 most relevant. No, love it. MJ. Love to be here. It's been great having you on. And again, we mentioned it yesterday, but definitely go and check out coachespanel.tv, not just for this article on Aaron Hall, but also Louis done an AFL fantasy team reveal, over 3,000 words of analysis and articulation of who he's picked and why you're going to want to check that out. Not so much for, oh, I'm going to copy Louis, or, oh, that's the player I'm going to choose. but It helps you explain the mindset of a bloke that's done pretty well in AF over the past couple of years to be able to see who he's picked why he's picked them and hopefully you'll be able to pick up some gems along the way while you're there you can also join our patreon supporter group where you get heaps of exclusive access to content uh, hidden groups podcasts that don't get live anywhere else and these podcasts go live 24 hours early so you do stay ahead of the pack and if you are loving these podcasts whether via spotify or apple podcasts make sure you're subscribed and followed leave a five-star rating and review it helps others find out what you already know to be true about the coaches panel all right let's head into number 42 of the 50 most relevant and he's a player that i'll be honest I forced him in to the 50 most relevant just in the past couple of days. Just before we started the 50 countdown, I found a way to squeeze him in. There's one format especially I think he's the most relevant. He's relevant in all, but there's one that if he can live up to his potential. If he can live up to not just, you know, potential that we hope, but potential that is proven then we need to seriously reconsider how we play that particular line of our starting squads. Because if he does deliver on his proven potential, we have a game-changing option on our hands. Who is he? Our Patreons already know, but you'll find out tomorrow.